We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. If you're joining us live, you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Welcome in. We'll be taking your questions and comments throughout the night. If you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts, make sure you toss us that rating and review. Love reading all those reviews that have been coming in, especially over on Apple Podcasts. So certainly appreciate those. Got a lot to talk about today. Got a little bit more news on the Lakers coaching situation. We're going to talk about some free agent targets. Of course, take questions and comments from our live audience tonight. Joining me is Sean Davis from LakersNation.com. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, Trevor. Uh, thanks for having me back on. And I'm glad to see that you're able to make it to the show tonight. I was a little worried that your cat was going to give you some trouble. <laughs> I put that on my Instagram, by the way, if anybody's not following me on Instagram, at Trevor Lane NBA over on Instagram. I put that on my Instagram because last night I was doing some recording, doing some work in my, in my studio super late. And I go to head back down the stairs, and my cat decided that was the appropriate moment when my arms are full of everything possible. My laptop, I've got a, a, I've got a drink in my head, I've got all kinds of stuff that I'm carrying down, and the cat just decides to crisscross right in front of my feet. I almost fell like five times, and I got halfway down and had to stop and wait for him to finally leave me alone. Yep, cats, they are out to get us humans, but that's okay. We love them anyway. Um, quick, before we dive into everything tonight, uh, quick programming note. So Wednesday, I told you guys when we released our schedule, which typically Mondays and Wednesdays, 9 o'clock Pacific time, Fridays, we do fun Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock Pacific time. I did say there's going to have to be some flexibility in there. There'll be some times where we have other stuff going on. Next week, I'm going to be traveling a little bit. I'm going to be interviewing an NBA draft prospect. We'll have more on that later. But so we're going to need to be a little bit flexible next week. And also this coming Wednesday, Keith Smith and I, for the NBA front office show, we're going to do our live play-by-play of Suns and Mavs, which is... Uh, a game time where it, it won't work. It'll conflict with that. I believe it's a 7 o'clock Pacific time game time. So that game won't quite be over yet. We would normally go live. So on Wednesday, we'll just wait till the conclusion of Suns versus Mavs and then go live, which may work out 
to, the, to our benefit anyway. I've noticed a number of people commenting that maybe we should wait until the end of that night's playoff game before we actually start up our show. Eh, maybe a fair point. Um, <laughs> there we go. I've got some people commenting that in the chat, by the way, mentioning that we should probably wait until the playoff games are over. Eh, Maybe it's a so you're gonna be load managing. Load man no, Trevor. If anything, he, he's putting in more work. <laughs> no, I'm gonna be. Right. I, we are still gonna get our shows in. I'm just saying the times might have to shift around a little bit. Shows will still be happening. That that's for sure. That's for sure. All right, <laughs> Sean. Somebody commented that we both got haircuts. We're playing that out. I know. We're yeah. Plan that yeah. out. Yeah. We're planning. De definitely plan that out. I texted Trevor yesterday, like, "Hey, man, I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. Can you, can we line this up somehow?" <laughs> We uh, we got a group deal, a little discount there. Uh, Carol Zarbano from discount. Facebook said, I wish the Suns wouldn't win. Yeah, look, the, the Suns were up big last I looked on this game. I watched all the way until I started setting up for our show. It's 106.91 currently. Phoenix, it, it looks like they're... Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. It looks like Phoenix is just... I mean, their defense is shutting down what the Mavs are trying to do. Jalen Brunson not having a great night. I just... I had it as a, a Suns in, I want to say Suns in five or six series. And I think it's pretty clear who the, the better team is here when everybody's healthy. I think sometimes people, when you say a team in five, that means uh, you think every game's going to be a blowout. No, like you could say a team in five, but every game be close. Like mm -hmm. I picked Golden State in five or six against Memphis. But I think most of the games, if not all, are going to be like game one, where it's coming down to the wire. And it's who makes the last few plays to win that game. So I think people kind of take when you say, like you said, Celtics at five. I still think that's ridiculous. But um, when, when you say a team in five games, I think they take that the wrong way sometimes. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's and that's just it, right? Sometimes a five-game series can be closer than it appears. It's The problem mm -hmm. is that most of the time, if you, the team you're going to pick to win, if they're going to win in six, they have to win game six on the road. And so that's that's hard to do. And then, but then, do you want to say it's a seven-game series? So that's where it gets kind of tough when we're doing predictions and, and things of that nature. But we'll see where all that goes. Uh, let's get into some more of these questions and comments. We do need to talk a little bit about some of the news that's out there today as well. But I've got a super chat here from Benjamin uh, from YouTube. Said, do you consider the Lakers likable? As in, would you be a fan of the Lakers if you just started watching the NBA? It's hard. That's tough for me to say because I grew up on the Lakers. So it's just always been a presence in, in my life. Um, if I was just clean slate tabula rasa and I, and I come in here and I'm, and I'm looking at the NBA, would I be a Lakers fan? Are they, are they a likable team? I think this year's Lakers team was very much not likable. Lakers fans didn't like watching this year's team. They were, uh, they weren't even like that kind of gutsy team that gave it their all and just came up short a bunch of times. No, they, they didn't look like they were having fun, so they were not fun to watch in general. But as an organization, overall, step back, big picture, the Lakers have been one of the most exciting franchises in not just basketball, but in all of sports to follow. So big picture, yes, but this season, it feels weird saying that because this season hasn't been enjoyable at all. If you were coming in clean slate, who do you think you would have been? Like, if you weren't a Lakers fan, that's that's such a weird question to ask, and that's probably a tough one to answer as well. But I mean, I think I know the answer. Like, the, you hate to say it, but the Celtics have been great to watch for the second half of the season. 
Um, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed watching the Grizzlies a lot. They would be a team that I think I would be drawn to. I think that's another one. Uh, the Warriors have been playing great. The Suns, of course. I mean, those are the, the kind of teams. Particularly, I think, if you're coming in, you're going to be attracted to either the top, top-tier teams or those teams that just kind of gut it out and find ways to get wins. Those teams that appear to be the underdog because that's human nature, right? We root for the underdog. So that's where I think the Grizzlies would, would kind of stand out from the rest of the pack. Ooh, Trevor, do we have the biannual exception to use this season? And who do you think we will sign with it? So, JP said, did he really just say Celtics? I'm saying that assuming I was not a Lakers fan. Obviously, if I had any inkling of being a Lakers fan, I would be instantly repulsed by the Celtics. I'm just saying, assuming somehow my brain got fried and I was a complete clean slate and I had no allegiance towards any NBA team. Yes, it's gross, but, look, but let's face it. They've played good basketball this season, so that's, that's why. But um, do we have the biannual exception? Maybe. And I know it's a, it's a yes or no question, but I say maybe because it depends on where the Lakers are in terms of the cap. So if they buy out Russell Westbrook, stretch his salary out, then yeah, they probably have enough space to use it. If not, then no. Um, it, they didn't use it last season. So as far as that qualifier, yes, they can use it. The biannual is, as the name implies, you can use it every other year. They didn't use it last season, so you can use it. I'm sorry, they did Well, looking at this season as last the the last season they didn't use it they used it the previous season on wesley matthews we're in that kind of limbo where is it next season already oh, for the lakers wesley or not matthews what a, right oh. they used it on wesley matthews so they are eligible to use it but if you use it you also trigger the hard cap which means for the mm -hmm. lakers team that has lebron has russ has ad with those three salaries on the books you can't feasibly trigger the hard cap and still build out the rest of your roster so it depends on what happens with Russell Westbrook, what happens with that salary in terms of whether or not they functionally can use it. But it is available to them if they have the room cap-wise. Uh, Mook Morris with a super chat. Thank you. Said, another trade scenario might be a salary dump to OKC plus picks to clear cap space with Mike Muscala, Derek Favors coming back to the Lakers. So that's, that is another option. And that's one that I've seen floating around out there. The challenge is you're not really getting back anybody that can help you on the basketball court. I mean, Mike Muscala, Derek Favors, they're not terrible players, but are they really moving the needle for you? Probably not. Not like say a Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald, e even yep. Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre Jr. Those guys would, you're not getting the same quality of players. So that's the problem. Is that if you're the Lakers, yeah, you're moving Russell Westbrook, and okay, hey, you accomplish a goal that way, but can you compete this season? It's not like you're just getting all of that salary off the books because you've got guys coming back. So I don't know if that's a strong enough move, particularly if you have to give up those future picks in order to get the deal done, which, of course, OKC is going to want to get something. So it's a challenging spot to be in. And if you're the Lakers, you have to both figure out a way to get a deal done for Russ and... Keep your team competitive. It's hard to do both of those things in, in one deal, and that's going to be the challenge that the front office is faced with. Yeah, for sure, and that's why, personally, I think the best deal is either the Hornets or the Pacers deal, and I think you've mentioned in your 500 the Radar free agents video that the Lakers, because it's so hard in this free agency class to find capable wings, they might be more uh, leaning towards doing that uh, Hornets deal mm -hmm. with Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre because you can convince yourself in a way of saying 
we could go pick up one of these random guards on the market to come in and play 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever we need and maybe bring back Kendrick Nunn. He's still have Austin Reeves. So I, I think those are definitely one of the two deals. And like you mentioned, those two players, first off, I still have PTSD from Mike Muscala because we traded <laughs> Zubac for, for like 15 games of Muscala. And Derek, Bailey, they're not going to really contribute for the Lakers going into next season, or at least not to the level that Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald, or, uh, crap, Gordon Hayward and Kelly Uber Jr. would. Right, right. And so that's that's the challenge. And I've got a, a follow-up question here. It says, would you rather get John Wall from Houston or clear cap space with OKC? Both require one first-rounder, but those are the only two available. So either try to clear a little bit of cap room with OKC, and you got to give up a first, or John Wall, and you got to give up a first. For me, it's, it's it, the cap space. Is it just John Wall? Is it John he, Wall and Christian? He's Wall? got it. It's just John. A, a Russ and a first for John Wall, or Russ and a first for the guys from OKC and the cap oh, room. Yeah, cap space. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, let's see. In terms of next year, though, like those aren't two good options for the Lakers that they want to compete next year. Because you're getting John Wall, who hasn't played in almost two years. Mm-hmm. And then you're getting two dudes that can't, who aren't going to contribute. I mean, you get cap space in that deal. So, I mean, I guess you take that one. But, yeah. I, I think that when I look at John Wall as a player, is he a better fit than Russ? Maybe. But does that mean, mean he's a good fit? Not necessarily. I'm very much a believer in, the, in this idea that the Lakers, they don't need a ball-dominant point guard. In fact... It's a bad thing if they have one. I mean, look, even Dennis Schroeder. Look, last year's team, last year's team was derailed by injuries. They were really good when they were healthy. Even so, Dennis Schroeder felt like an awkward fit for most of the season. You get these guys that are ball-dominant point guards. They need the ball to be effective. And as much as LeBron wants to say, I want the burden taken off of me, I want these other guys to lean on, it just doesn't work. And we saw it to an even higher degree with Russell Westbrook. So if I'm the Lakers, I'm scrapping that idea of finding a point guard that, number one, wants the ball, and number two, believes he's good enough that he should have the ball, even when LeBron's on the floor. I don't want that. Forget that. Forget having guys like that. Give me a guy who, if it's his turn to come off the bench, he has no problem with it. Give me a guy where if he has to stand in the corner six, seven, eight, ten possessions in a row, and that's his role, He's fine with it. Or if he has to initiate the offense, he's fine with it. Give me that guy on the team with that mentality, a Derek Fisher-esque mentality that is capable of of playing in multiple roles. That's the kind of guard the Lakers need. Nothing against John Wall, but I don't think he checks that box in terms of being that style of player. So that's why I'm not that high on getting John Wall because I feel like you're you're just... He might be a little bit better than Russ, but he's probably going to have some similar problems too. So I don't, I don't see that as being that big of an improvement to go that route. Your four quote unquote, I'm using quotes because at least one of these guys, in my opinion, I do not see as true point guards. Your four quote unquote, realistic point guard in quotes again, options for next year, all fit that mold Mm -hmm. that you were just describing, Trevor, Malcolm Brogdon, um, Kendrick Nunn, Terry Rozier, and potentially Austin Reeves, because Austin Reeves could play that KCP role yep. where you just put LeBron at the one and 
technically Austin Reeves is the point guard because he might be the smallest player on the floor, but it's really LeBron. Um, and Terry, in my opinion, he's in a best case scenario, kind of like we're seeing in Charlie. He's a two, play him a little bit more off the ball. But all four of those guys, none, Rozier and uh, Reeves especially, they have shown time and time again they are willing to come off the bench. They're willing to play 20-ish minutes or 15 minutes or whatever is mm-hmm. needed. And then Brogdon, he can literally be a 3 and D guard who can stretch the floor and shoot and when healthy guard the opposing perimeter players um, and also initiate the offense and be a legitimate threat offensively. Um, so that's why. And if you do that Charlotte deal, if you do uh, Kelly Oubre and Gordon Hayward, I'm bringing back none. I'm bringing back none. And then I'm keeping Austin Reeves, obviously. And then I'm considering, okay, do we put Austin Reeves in a lineup and say, okay, Reeves, you're playing the KCP role where you're the point guard, but it's really LeBron. And then you bring Kedrick Nunn off the bench as your true facilitator for that second unit. Maybe you have some pick and rolls with him and AD. So though you have four realistic options for guard for your point guard slot next year, and I think they all fit that mode that you were just talking about, Trevor. Yeah, and I'm actually going to do a video on that tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about a few players and their potential fits in that role, um, even with a little bit of uh, little, little sourcing there that we're going to get into as well. Mm. Um, one of the things that we do need to talk about, though, is the Lakers coaching search, because we actually got some new information on that today from Mark Stein, and it's not all... <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. The Lakers coach will be this guy, right? I mean, we don't, we don't have that information yet. And the reason for that is because the Lakers are progressing very slowly through this. Now we've talked about why that might be that they're progressing slowly as they're working towards uh, a coaching hire. Um, We've talked about how they, they kind of have a strange strategy here for hiring a coach where they're only looking at a couple of coaches at a time and then moving on to another group of a few coaches rather than acting as kind of a big funnel where you start with a bunch of coaches and then you kind of work your way down and eliminate coaches as you go. They're not taking that route, which is the standard route. Instead, they're looking at these groups of two or maybe three coaches at a time. That's a little strange, but Stein's also reporting that the Lakers, they're going to move slowly through this, that Quinn Snyder is a guy that will be on their list, but they don't know if he's going to be available because he has to decide whether or not he wants to stay with the Jazz. Nick Nurse, probably not available. He's going to be most likely sticking with Toronto Raptors. Mark Jackson looks like he's in the lead to get the job with the Sacramento Kings. Darvin Ham, there's some reservations because he hasn't been a head coach yet in the NBA. So it sounds like everybody right now on the list is, uh, well, they're going to talk to this guy. But, so where do they go from here? I'm just going to rant just for a quick second. I guess that's what these podcasts are for. I kind of tweeted this out earlier, and my Twitter name is actually Please Hire Darvin Ham now. But um, I, I hate the argument that, well, he's an assistant coach. I hate that argument. Or, well, he hasn't had head coaching experience. I hate, hate, hate that argument. Trevor, if you let, let, let's just put our Lakers Nation GM hats on for a second. Uh-huh. If you were a head coaching candidate, Matt the Optimist Peralta was a head coaching candidate, and Daniel Stark and our editor extraordinaire was a head coaching candidate. You have head coaching experience. Matt doesn't. Daniel does, right? You've been out of the league for eight years. Obviously, I think we know where I'm going with this. You've been out of the league coaching wise for eight years. Matt's been instrumental for, you know, helping a team win a title mm-hmm. and, you know, follow the coach throughout 
the time he has experience with with the team that I'm the GM for. And then Dan is a good coach who might, you know, get fired or whatever. Who knows, right? If Matt comes in with no head coaching experience, but he sells me the most on my on the his plan and vision for the team, I don't care if he's an assistant. I don't care if he does have any head coaching experience. I'm hiring Matt if Matt has the best vision uh, for the Lakers plan going forward out of you, him, and Daniel. I don't care if he does have head coaching experience. That's the most irritating thing ever. Now, if you've been out of the league or whatever, if you have the best vision for the Lakers, then sure, I'll hire you. Or if it's or if it's Daniel or whatever. But the whole notion that oh, Darvin Ham, he he hasn't been a coach before. He uh, he's gonna have to come in and, and coach LeBron. Who cares? Because if you if you look at it that way, then you're gonna be stuck with Steve Clifford, or Terry Stotts, or Scott Brooks, or Mike Brown, Byron Scott. Like, who cares? I I agree with you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't think it should matter all that much. I don't know if the Lakers agree with that, though. I don't know if the Lakers agree. And I, and I think there is something to it, right? I mean, if you're just looking at it from afar, you've got a team that has a soon-to-be 38-year-old LeBron James. He'll be 38 next season. LeBron James, who needs to win right now. You've got him on your team. but Potentially the greatest ever. You've got Anthony Davis. You're coming off of your worst season ever. You need to win basketball games, and you can't afford any kind of a slip-up because if you do, the pressure in L.A. is going to be daunting. Is that the ideal environment for a first-time head coach? And I think it's... I'm not saying that's enough of a hurdle to where you wouldn't turn to a first-time head coach. I'm saying that I think it's okay for the Lakers to say, well, this needs to be a factor. I don't think it should be the deciding factor. I think that who the individual is and how you think they would actually handle that situation and is LeBron bought in to them. If it's Darvin Ham and LeBron says, that's my guy, I'm in, I'm in. I will follow that. I'm going to run through a brick wall for that guy. Great. Hire him. But if LeBron's saying, eh, that's not really my favorite, and he's a first-time head coach, and maybe you've got concerns about how he's going to respond when the pressure is on, okay, maybe that gives you reason to consider other options. So I don't think it's something that you totally dismiss, but I don't think it's your deciding factor either in terms of whether or not somebody has a head co- has head coaching experience. Now, if this was a total rebuild, there is no LeBron, there's no AD, Lakers are a bunch of young kids, cool, bring in Darvin Ham, let's go. That's, that's what you do. But 
I can see why it, it's a factor here for the Lakers. And we've got a super chat here that kind of addresses this. Esham976 says, do you fear upsetting LeBron if the Lakers don't move the moon and stars by not going all out to get Mitchell or, or Beal? I was just about to ask you that because while you were talking, Trevor, I was thinking, are we like... Let, what's the best case scenario as regards to LeBron, right? Two years? Is that the best case scenario? More than likely, you get two years with LeBron? Likely? Most likely, yeah. Okay, so most likely, best case scenario is you get two years at LeBron. I'm going to take Darvin Ham just for sakes and try not to be biased. But um, let's say Quinn Snyder, right? Mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder is your guy, and you feel he can build your team forward post-LeBron. But LeBron doesn't like him. Are you still going with somebody else just because LeBron doesn't like him? Are you going, hey, Quinn's our guy. We think he can help us post-LeBron, like, and we think he can help us now. So, like, do you, do you cave into the pressure? Like, I think that's Super Chess trying to mention about the Beal or Mitchell thing. I don't think that happens. Either. I don't think they can get – so I don't think the Lakers can get either of those guys. And I think you've got – I mean, LeBron is realistic enough to know, hey, we don't have the assets to go get yeah. either of these guys. But the point can still stand. Are you concerned at all that LeBron is going to be upset if the Lakers don't do everything they possibly can to win right now? And I think that's going to be a factor. It's going to be something the Lakers are going to have to decide. What are we willing to do to help LeBron win next season? Regardless of whose fault the Westbrook trade was, right? Because there's been there have been finger pointing. Regardless of whose fault it is, it happened. It's done. The decision now is how do we progress moving forward? How do we? Where do we go from here? Are the Lakers willing to do everything they have to in order to help LeBron win right now? And that might mean the coaching hire. That might mean finding somebody that LeBron really likes to, as as the coach. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it means that, that you risk it with with LeBron and you say, look, we're going to get somebody. Look, they didn't get Ty Lue for him, and that was who LeBron wanted. They didn't get Ty Lue, so I think it's okay for them to to do that. They have to have an eye on the future and win right now. But I think when push comes to shove, they're going to try and do what they can to win right now because they got to fix what happened last season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're trying to win right now. Um, yeah. I, I think my, my just whole rant or whatever was the assistant sells you enough on the vision for your team now to win today or next season rather. And then in two years when LeBron's gone, who cares if he does have head coaching experience? I think that was just the point. And I, and I get what you're saying as well, Trevor. Uh, Mr. B. Lloyd with the Super Chat said, I know we like Jeremy Grant, but what about trying to get Barnes for THT and none? This is this is the guy. I, al- Harrison I almost Barnes? Harrison Barnes. I almost okay, put out <laughs> a tweet last night about I didn't want to create a stir. I threw out a couple of late night Lakers tweets. Um, just kind of mentioned just some thoughts about process and things like that that were going that were bouncing around in my head. Part of it was about the point guard situation and kind of what that looks like. But I almost threw out there that another name to look at is Harrison Barnes, but I didn't want to create any kind of a stir. I like Harrison Barnes a lot. I think he would be a great fit. My only reason for hesitation is it's the Kings. And how willing are the Kings going to be to trade with the Lakers after what happened last summer? With Russell Westbrook and Buddy Heald and that whole situation, I think that there's, I'm sure there's some bad blood there. But uh, if you can get a Harrison Barnes in exchange for THT, none, if you have to give up a future first or something like that, 
you got to consider it. The Lakers need wing players. They need guys who can defend multiple positions. They need guys who can be steady players for them. Harrison Barnes, I think, is very good. I think you can make an argument that Harrison Barnes, while his upside may not be as high, might give you better production next year even than Jeremy Grant would. And I know that sounds like that's saying a lot, but I think people missed how good Harrison Barnes was last year. So I 100% am interested. I don't know what the cost is going to be. I have a, a feeling because wings have a lot of value out there on the market in the NBA that the price is going to be high. But if there's any way to get Harrison Barnes, I'm 100% listening if I'm the Lakers. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, the you lost me there with the pick, but I was like, yeah, he's a wing player, so you're probably going to have to, to do that's it. That's the problem. Um, yeah, so that's the problem. But look at you being peacemaker, not trying to start a rise last night. Probably you, Trevor. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, somebody, well... I had already said a few things and I didn't want to get people all fired up thinking I was trying, I was saying that Harrison Barnes was a real option. I just think he's a name that you need to consider if you're the Lakers going after and see what it, what the cost would be. Um, I've got a comment here from YouTube said spot track data shows OKC does not have the cap space to take Russ's contract in the deal presented here. They don't have the cap space after July 1st when Shea Gilgis Alexander's deal kicks in up until that point. They do have the cap space to do a deal for Russell mm -hmm. Westbrook. So that's the key. It would have to happen before the league calendar switches over to next season. Typically, when we think about trades and things like that, it a lot of the time, it we're waiting until the calendar flips over. Like last year, right? With the, obviously, it's bad memory, but the Russell Westbrook trade, they couldn't do the deal until the league calendar year flipped over. And then Kyle Kuzma was on a $13 million salary instead of a $3 million salary, and that allowed them to do the deal. Usually we're waiting until July 1st. In this case, they would have to, well, last year was, wasn't quite July 1st. It wasn't July 1st because the season was thrown off. But in any event, typically it's July 1st. This year we'd have to get it done before July 1st in order for it to, for it to be a legal trade. So that's why if you're looking at, at money for next year, that's why OKC doesn't show up as having the cap space next year because they don't that they've got it this year before that extension kicks in. Cool. All right. Uh, Jorge Sandoval said, call me crazy. Okay. Hornets get Westbrook and a first from the Lakers. Pacers. Uh-oh. We're going multi-team trade here. Pacers get THT a first and a second from the Lakers. So, so we've got going out already before we even get into what the Lakers are getting. Russell Westbrook two firsts, a second rounder, and THT. So you've got about $57 million in salary, two firsts, and a second going out. Lakers get Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre Jr. from the Hornets, and Miles Turner from the Pacers. Oh, my. Off the top of my head, that money, the that money. money adds up. Unless I'm tripping. That money should add up. It depends on if they're if they're two separate. So the Pacers would have to send something to the Hornets in order for that to yeah. work. Um, and maybe it's just you you figure out something that we'd have to put in there because there's the touch rule. But THT for Miles Turner doesn't work if it's a separate trade because Miles Turner's an $18 million yeah. salary. THT is a $10 million salary. That's too big of a gap. So that doesn't work. But... Maybe if you do loop in another team and you can get the Hornets to send something to the Pacers and then you can figure out a way. It, there's ways that you can make it work. Let's, let's just put it there. So what do you think about that? You're giving up both your firsts. 
but you're also getting Miles Turner, Gordon Hayward, and Kelly Oubre Jr. added to the Lakers for Westbrook, two first, THT. Yeah, basically all your assets. You're cashing everything in, and you're getting for Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward. Miles Turner. Yep. What do you think? Um, I need to see Miles Turner's contract, but just off rip, I don't mind it. Um, I think. Personally, I think I've, I've liked the Miles Turner and Anthony Davis potential pairing. And then, I mean, you, you combine that with adding Gordon Hayward, and now you're just needing, and again, maybe it's just he put LeBron at the one, is Austin Reeves at the two, playing the KCP role, your starting five mm-hmm. is legit re- recreating that 2020. You're just going back in time, basically, recreating that 2020 team. You have LeBron being LeBron still, Austin Reeves kind of being KCP, Gordon Hayward being a, a, a better version of Danny Green, AD and Miles Turner. Like, that's basically that 2020 team, and then you fill in the rest of your bench. So, um, and obviously, Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre, their contracts, I think they have two more years, including next year. And I don't know Miles Turner's contract, but I like it as well because you get some more cap flexibility. But instead of being 2023, which is when the Lakers were eyeing originally, and I think that's going to be the case anyway, whichever deal they do, they're likely going to have to push back their large cap space offseason to 2024 at the earliest. So I like that deal. I need to find Miles Turner's contract, but I do like that deal off rip though. He's got another year on it at 18 million. Miles Turner does. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sold on it. I think you're giving up a lot, a lot for an older guy in, in Gordon Hayward. I get that you're adding a lot of pieces, but if you add, I, I just look at it as if I add Kelly Oubre Jr., Miles Turner and Gordon Hayward to LeBron and AD, and the other guys they've got, is that a championship team? I don't know. I don't know if it is. And I feel like if I'm going to give up both those future firsts, I want that answer to be a yes. And you never know what's going to happen. Things on paper don't always work out. We know this, right? But I, on paper, I don't know if that's a championship team. And again, if it's, is if there, it's not, I don't know. Is there any deal, like we're being honest, is there any deal the Lakers do this offseason where you you look at it on paper, you say, yep, that's a championship contender or that's the championship team? I think if it was think, Brogdon and Buddy in it, maybe, but then you're just trading with the Pacers. And you, yeah, and then you just feel the rest of, fill, out, uh, fill out the rest of your roster. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but even then, like I'm still like saying – Okay, we you're getting better, but uh, I'm a free agent apparently. Whenever, uh, <laughs> Lakers gave me a ten day, um, but bam, you got good start. Now let's fill out the rest of your roster with some wing depth and some a back a center, obviously. But um, I I like the deal. I think you're filling some needs. You still have your taxpayer mid level. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you dedicate that to Otto Porter Jr. And then off the bench, you still have Kendrick Nunn. You still have Stanley Johnson. Let's pretend you get Otto Porter Jr. Or maybe in this scenario, you say, nope, you already have Stanley. Let's go get Gary Payne the second, which I think he talked about yesterday. I think he'd be a great mm-hmm. fit. So I think with that roster, I think you have to win next year because um, Miles Turner, like you mentioned, does have an expiring contract that a Gordon and Kelly. Kelly might be expiring too. Then Gordon has another year added on afterwards. So I think you would have to win next year. But I like that roster a lot. You use that tax payment level. You fill in some other pieces on your roster. Your center spot's filled already uh, with somebody that isn't demanding of the ball. 
Your guards buys LeBron, so that's fine. I like that roster. Yeah. I I could see it. I could see it. It's it's interesting. It's something I'd have to give more thought to. But uh, Money Solomon, the Super Chat, said, Westbrook and all the picks for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Is that realistic? Anthony Davis would get a trade for him, for Derrick Rose and Zach Levine. So I'm not giving up all the picks for just Buddy Heald and, and Miles Turner. I think that's... That's asking a bit too much there. Um, but uh, is that realistic? I I think the Pacers, what we've heard is that the Pacers don't want to, oh, and Money Solomon, Westbrook and all the ter- picks for Turner and Buddy answer, please, for Money Solomon. I saved the Super Chats so to fit them into our conversation as they're going on. So if you don't hear yours right away, it doesn't mean I missed it. I just, I saved them when we get to them, when we get to them. Um, when I'm looking at a deal like that, the Pacers, I don't think they want to move Miles Turner. I think if they're getting that much, they probably would. But I don't think they want to move him after they've moved Sabonis. So they're they're probably going to wind up keeping Miles Turner. Now, if it's Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald, okay, maybe. Again, though, to me, if I'm moving both, both picks, I want to be able to say it's a championship contending team. And I don't know if we get there with that. And, and maybe that's me overvaluing picks. We'll see. I know LeBron's probably not going to value picks that highly because... He'll be gone by the time they can use him. But still, if I'm the Lakers, I'm going to try to be careful when I'm talking about those 2027 and 2029 first. Yeah, and absolutely. Now, I, I honestly think more I'm talking myself into it. I think Miles Turner, if anything, would be a deadline move for a team, not even just the Lakers, but for any team, if the Pacers were like, yeah, we're not going to pay you. We're not going to extend your contract. We're just going to let you walk. That's when I think a Miles Turner contract uh, trade could come up, not just for the Lakers, but for any team in general. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. All right. Let's see what else we've got coming in here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Jay Henry, Lakers should try to get Kyle Anderson, slow-mo. Yeah, he'd be a solid target. The problem is the salary. He surprisingly makes a decent amount. So... He made like nine. Like nine, yeah. So that's that's the problem. Because the Lakers most likely can only offer their taxpayer mid-level, which is going to be right around six-ish. Yeah, he's at, he's at just, a, just short of 10 million this year. So you're asking him to take a pay cut, uh, cut his salary in half just about. Pretty significant pay cut. That's not something players typically like to do, particularly when you're a 28-year-old that's in their, their prime. So that would be a challenge. I know we look at him, we think Kyle Anderson, okay, he shouldn't cost too much. Yeah, but he's already making a pretty good amount, and he's a wing. That I'm not saying you don't try. I think he's worth trying, but that could complicate things. The fact that he would be taking a pretty hefty pay cut compared to what he's making this season. Yeah, and he's already established himself as a real player in the NBA, and I just don't see him leaving Memphis, honestly. I don't think Memphis is going to let him walk. If he does walk, he's going to command right around what he's making anyway. Um, So, yeah, I I think he's out of the Lakers' uh, 
wheelhouse there mm -hmm. just based off the salary and i don't think he's leaving memphis Agreed. I think he ultimately stays there. I think Memphis. I, I think Memphis is done against uh, the Warriors. I'm not saying they can't give him a run. I, I think it's going to be an exciting series, but I think the Warriors will advance. And I don't think I'm alone in, in that. Most people, I think, are picking the Warriors to advance. But I think Memphis is going to do what they can to keep a lot of these pieces around and continue to grow organically. And that means hanging on to guys like Kyle Anderson, which is, I think, what they'll do. Uh, Tony, the $20 Super Chat. Man, thank you. Ooh, said, thanks. Lakers future... Uh, isn't LeBron, but a head coach that fits the culture in LA. In my opinion, trade Russ for whoever can't be worse than Russ. Also, let's keep THT and the other young legs. Uh, who is your under-the-radar free agent for the summer? Okay, so I'll address the last part first. I actually just did a video yesterday with five somewhat under-the-radar free agents for the Lakers to go after, so check that out on YouTube. I threw out some names. Gary Payton II, Gary Harris was on there, my guy Damian Jones, Guys like that are, are on that list. So you can check that out. I go in detail into all of that. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, Lakers, saying that the Lakers' future isn't LeBron. So you get a head coach that can be around post-LeBron. That's true. But how much of, of that is... Like, if you just upset LeBron and pick a head coach and say, no, we're planning for the future, then what are you doing? What are you doing with LeBron? Right? If you don't do what you need to do in order to win right now, shouldn't you shouldn't you just move LeBron? Like what's what's the point? I think the Lakers, it's not easy, but you've got to walk that fine line between having an eye on the future and trying to win right now. You can't tell LeBron, hey, sorry, man, you're not gonna be here in two years. So we got a head coach that you don't like, that we don't think really fits the team right now. But man, when we're rebuilding in a couple of years, this guy is gonna be great for us. Sorry, LeBron, that's that's how we're rolling. I don't see that flying. I just don't see that that working, nor do I think that's the way the Lakers should go. I think you've got LeBron right now. He's potentially the GOAT. If, at the very least, he's one of the greatest players ever. You have an opportunity, if you do things right, to maybe win a championship next year. Again, feels like a long shot right now, but if you get everything right, that's not out of the question. So I think you do what you can in order to try to win while you've got LeBron. And then you do just keep an eye on the future. But you don't sacrifice everything you've got right now in order to solely look ahead to the future. Really quickly, before I add on to your point, I just want to point out that I love that you said just trade Russ or whoever. It can't get much worse. And when you were talking about LeBron being potentially one of the greatest of all time, I was about to make a goat sound, but I wasn't about to embarrass myself in front of a, a bunch of people. But... Um, yeah, I, I think, and, and I agree with you, I think whoever, and I, we, we mentioned this, I know uh, a little earlier on and even our roundtable for LakersNation.com, and you just touched on it a little bit, Trevor, the Lakers, yes, your goal is to win right now, but, and that's why I hate, I hated the idea, I know his name is probably down in the dirts now because he's not coming, but that's why I hated the idea of Juwan Howard, because in my opinion, if you hire Juwan Howard, that would be just a LeBron wants him. That's his guy. Let's go get him. That's not a move for we can win with LeBron and a move for the future. That's mm -hmm. a LeBron wants him. Let's panic and go get somebody. So I think whoever you hire, we talked about this already. Whoever you hire, you have to make sure, well, first, LeBron has to respect to a certain degree. And he's good enough that you feel confident they can win now. And then whether it's after next season or in two years, they, they can help build a foundation, a culture to win in the post-LeBron era. 
And I think both are equally important to focus on. Maybe focus a little bit more on the the current task at hand, which is trying to win next season with whether or not it's LeBron's last year in L.A. or not. But I think you have to have just like the back quarter of your eye focused on the future post-LeBron James, whether it's a year or two years down the line. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that's a good point. I think that if you build a culture, culture can last longer than a player. The aura around, of a, around a team can absolutely change as superstars move on. But if you build a culture, it can, it can be sustained. Miami. Yes, my, Miami being a good example. It can be sustained year in and year out. Right? So I think that's something that is important to note. If you find that coach, and that's easier said than done. The Lakers yeah. thought that's what they were doing when they hired Luke Walton. How'd that go? Right? I mean, that's... That's what the the Lakers have tried to do. That so I'm not saying it's just oh let's go fight let's go hire a head coach that's going to bring in a culture. That's easy. No, it's not. It's not. It's difficult to do, and everybody wants to do that. Of course, everybody teams would love to have a head coach that they can stay for 20 years, and it's Greg Popovich or, or whoever, whoever it's going to be. That's going to be your coach, and you don't have to worry about finding another head coach for the next two decades. That would be fantastic. That's just not reality. It's just not reality most of the time. It doesn't doesn't happen that way. Uh, all right, Jorge Sandoval, oh, with a $20 super chat, thank you, said, hi, it's me again, crazy guy. All right, crazy guy. We keep none as our starting point guard, Reeves, Braun, AD, Miles Turner. Hopefully Monk does that mid-level, so that taxpayer mid-level. Monk, Hayward, Hayward, Oubre Jr., Stanley, and maybe Dwight off the bench and keep Mello on a minimum if he wants. So none goes from playing none from playing no games this season to the starting point guard next season. I think talent wise he could, but you've got to be very convinced that he's healthy, but okay, but let's, maybe he gets there. Start Austin Reeves. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Uh, LeBron, AD Turner. So pretty big lineup there, right? Pretty big, decent size. Redoing that 2020 team. Uh-huh. That's essentially what he's doing there. Bring back Monk to play that Lou Williams role off the bench. And then you've moved Russ for Hayward, Uber Jr. Yeah, I mean, that's not that's not bad. That's not bad. It's not a terrible lineup or anything like that. I think you're asking a lot of Kendrick Nunn, and you're assuming that he's going to be available. We won't know that he will be or not. But it's not a terrible lineup either. I think the question mark with that starting five is, does Austin Reeves' three-point shooting come along? Kendrick Nunn, mm-hmm. how effective can he be? Because those two things will be really important in that starting five. And then the health of Kelly Oubre, uh, or I'm sorry, of, of Gordon Hayward in that bench and unit. And Miles Turner, honestly. Yes, and Miles Turner as well. So there's certainly some question marks, but don't get me wrong. I see the, the merit of it. It it could be good. I wouldn't completely write it off. Hey, man, I'm just excited the next year and we'll have to break down Kendrick Nunn's outfits. I'll be able to break down his actual <laughs> play on the court next year, man. Sheesh. Wouldn't that be something to right, talk about pl- what to ha- talk about what Kendrick Nunn's doing out on the floor? That would be that would be a lot of fun. Right, my player review on him is like just what outfit he wore this year, <laughs> ranking though. <laughs> oh no, oh no! This next okay, so this next super chat. Oh my goodness! Okay, in order to get into this question. We're going to need to take our short commercial break here. Sean, we're going to do our our short break for Athletic Green. Sean and I are going to be back in three minutes because I need a moment to kind of wrap my head around this question that's being asked of us. So we 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 will be right back. 
Lakers Nation, I want to pause for a moment and talk a little bit about Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because for me personally, I was interested in recovery. Number one, I've been trying to get back into shape and spending a lot of time in the gym, lifting weights, doing all those sorts of things. And I wanted to see if it could help with my recovery process and what that looks like. We all know how important recovery is in any type of athletic endeavor. And then also the mental clarity part of it. I'm the type of person where I've noticed, you know, middle of the day, I start to just hit this lull, this wall that I I run into. And I've just found I'm just not as productive as I should be. And I'll admit, I was pretty skeptical when I went into this, uh, when I started taking AG1. But I've been very, very pleasantly surprised. Not only has my recovery improved, and I've been taking AG1 for about three weeks now, I've been making noticeable improvements in the gym. But the mental clarity piece to this, the energy piece to this, it has been noticeable in the afternoons. I simply have more focus, more energy. I just noticed suddenly I'm getting way more done during the day. I'm accomplishing more tasks on my to-do list rather than pushing things off to the next day. And that means for all of you, that means more Lakers Nation content, more NBA front office content, everything else that we bring. It's been absolutely fantastic. I can't believe how productive I've been while taking AG1. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And that is exactly how I take it. It's the first thing I take in the morning. Instead of getting coffee or an energy drink or something like that, I drink my AG1. One, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, aging, all of the things all in one. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself that you would have to go out and find. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Athletic Greens, it was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over $100 per day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. And for me, I'm super busy. The sports world, it moves at a lightning fast pace. So Athletic Greens, very quick, very simple for me to get my nutrition in one place. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash LakersNation to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, we're back. Let's dive into this. Super Chat came in. Tanner Canis said, what do you think about a Dennis Schroeder reunion? Dennis Schroeder is indeed out on the free agent market. Uh, Turned down $84 million from the Lakers last season. Settled for the taxpayer mid-level from the Boston Celtics. They traded him to get Daniel Tice at the trade deadline this past year. He is a man without a team. 
Not many teams are going to be in search of a point guard. If the Lakers move Russell Westbrook, assuming the price tag is taxpayer mid-level or less, do you go back to Dennis Schroeder? Is that, can you rebuild that bridge that was, that was burned? What do you think, Sean? I'm not even going to really address the fact that that bridge is long burned and uh, no fire department can save that one. But I don't think you need Dennis Schroeder next year, man. Like, look, you trade Russell Westbrook. Pick either option. And I think, like, if you do the if you do the Pacers trade, then you're definitely not going out to get Schroeder because your guard room at that point is Brogdon, Heald, none, assuming you don't trade them, and Reeves. If you do that, the Hornets deal, if you do the Terry Rozier deal, for example, Rozier and Uberry, Rozier, Nunn, Reeves, where you really plank Schroeder, especially he's more of a one, you already have two, like, more point guard E type of guys. And then if you do the, the Ubre and Hayward deal, technically there could be a spot there, but then I'm looking more for a Gary Payne second to fill in that other quote-unquote guard spot in your rotation of players, so... Me, personally, I just don't think there's a spot for Dennis Schroeder on next year's roster if the Lakers want to be title contenders. And not, even, not to mention, again, like you said, the the bridge is burned. I don't think it's coming. I don't think he's coming back. I think if you clear the air by trading Russell Westbrook, you don't want to bring back Dennis Schroeder and just create that same problem, right? You're going to have that same cloud yeah. hanging over you just maybe to a lesser degree than Russell Westbrook. But again, it goes back to my main point of what you're looking for in a point guard. I talked about this last night on Twitter. I've talked about it a little bit since then. You don't want a guy who feels like he, the ball must be in his hands or a guy who must have mm -hmm. the ball in order to be effective. And that's what Dennis Schroeder is. Is he a bad basketball player? No, he can absolutely help some teams. But we've got two seasons in a row now of seeing ball handling point guards, guys who need the ball, and it hasn't worked. And one of those seasons, it was Dennis Schroeder. So why would you go back to Dennis Schroeder? It doesn't make sense, especially when we've already got the blueprint for what works. And that was finding guys who are fine playing off the ball. Avery Bradley, KCP, Danny Green. Those were the guys you had in the guard position. Now, I don't think you necessarily have to go complete 3 and D like those guys are. I think you could have a guy that's a secondary creator like an Austin Reeves. And again, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. Even a Gary Harris, somebody like that. There can be other guys you can turn to, but you don't want a guy whose primary function is I need the basketball and then I'm going to do things with it. That's how I am valuable on the floor. That is what does not fit. So I'm not going back to Dennis Schroeder if I am the Los Angeles Lakers, unless he comes to me and says, I will come off the bench. I will run the second unit. I will stagger my minutes with LeBron the most of the time. I don't have to be a starter anymore. Okay, maybe he could sell me that way, but otherwise I'm not doing it. And I don't think Schroeder's doing that either, nor should he really. I think he's a good enough player. He should be getting real minutes somewhere. It's just not the Lakers. Agreed. We're saying the same thing. All right, straightaway George said with a $20 super chat, thank you, said what unspoken team will get involved in the Westbrook sweepstakes? Okay, so what team will go after Russ that right now is not on the radar? So not Indiana, not Charlotte. Let's think about who could potentially be looking for cap space up. That's what you're selling. When you're, when you're looking to trade Russell Westbrook, right now the Lakers are trading future cap room. That's what you are trading or potentially first round picks. 
those that you're not trading Russell Westbrook. You're trading first round picks. You're trading future cap space. That's what's going on. So who is it that's looking for those things first and foremost? I think, well, there's been a few teams that actually have mentioned or just like floated around the air that we haven't really talked about. The Magic have been weirdly like just floated out there in the air. I don't think very many people think that's a realistic option, but they've been tossed around. Obviously, the Knicks are always thrown around for some reason. I don't think they're going to be interested in Russell Westbrook. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I really do think it's going to come down. I don't think very many other teams make sense for the Lakers to do a deal with them. Um, I really do think it's going to come down to the Charlotte Hornets and the Pacers trades. And, I mean, worst, worst case scenario, you're calling up Houston about, hey, can we do can we do Russ and THT for Christian Wood, your guy, and John Wall? Like, is that still an option? I, I mean, I think it's going to be one of those three deals, hoping it's the Pacers or Hornets trade. But I, I don't think there's going to be very many outside teams involved. I think the Knicks are another potential option. That's a team that's gotten floated around. And they would probably actually play him. Uh, and they've got some longer contracts that are role player guys that they wouldn't mind parting with. Think about Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker, yep. players like that, Alec Burks. Uh, and we know the Lakers already had some interest in Alex, Alec Burks. We're a phone call away from acquiring him. Just the Knicks and Raptors couldn't come to terms on draft picks, but they were going to get Alec Burks uh, in the offseason. So I think there's already something built there. Uh, Orlando, I think, is another good call. Maybe some of the kind of bottom feeder teams, the rebuilding teams that we're not considering uh, that would only look at him as a contract and wouldn't put him on the floor. Maybe there's something there. But again, I think most teams, if you asked most teams in the NBA, hey, do you want Russell Westbrook for $47 million? They're going to say no. And they're also going to say, where do we play him? There's not a lot of teams in the NBA that need a point guard right now. So again, it's got to be somebody that needs to clear future salary or has the desire to get future picks. Not necessarily a team where Westbrook fits. I think we focus too much on that. And I don't think, I honestly don't think there's a lot of places where Westbrook does fit. Like, who, what would be the ideal team? Forget about the cap and all that kind of stuff. What would be the ideal team to bring in Russell Westbrook right now? I really don't. Th- in terms of, like, Russ's style, there isn't right? one. Because Russ's style, and that, that's why I, I, I was going to say that, like, Russ's style doesn't fit in the NBA, especially when you want him to be your point guard. So I, I think there's teams that could get a point guard, but those teams don't want Russ's style of point guard. They want guards that can shoot, that can facilitate, that aren't won't turn the ball over, that cannot that aren't making $47 million and, and being a headache. That's what teams want. Then Russ doesn't have any of those things. He can't shoot. His his jumpers completely abandoned him. He's making $47 million. The headache that you saw as Lakers and you experienced as Lakers fans this season Opposing teams don't really want that. So that's why you're really selling them hard on you get one year. You can do whatever you want and buy them out, whatever, do whatever. But you have one year, you're selling them on future cap space and draft picks. And you look at teams, the teams that we're talking about, they all have an incentive to do that deal. The Pacers, they're trying to build around Halliburton and Duarte and potentially Miles Turner. And that guard room in Indiana right now is really loaded with Brogdon, Heal, Duarte, Halliburton. You go to Charlotte, they're going to have to pay LaMelo. LaMelo is contract extension eligible after next season, I believe. Correct? Uh, I believe so. 
and then you have to pay Miles Bridges, and he's reports are saying he's going to want a max contract. I think that's an overpay, but they're going to probably do it. So you're selling both of those teams on future cap space down the road and draft picks, and that's why those two teams make the most sense. And like you mentioned, nobody, it's not just that uh, very few teams need a point guard. Nobody wants the style of point guard of Russell Westbrook. You tack on the contract as well. That's the problem. That's the problem. Where where, where do you find a, a spot for him where they actually want him on the floor? And again, it, it's a weird spot because he's not the worst basketball player ever. He can still affect winning yeah. in a positive way in the right environment. But essentially, if you were to try to, out of thin air, build a team to suit Russell Westbrook. Let's say the goal of the team, don't worry about winning games. The goal of the team is to get the best Russell Westbrook you possibly can. Tons of shooting and tons of defense. That's what you want, right? Tons of shooting, tons of defense, so you can make up for not having those things for Russ. And on the offensive end of the floor, he's got plenty of spacing. Who's got those things and needs a point guard? I don't, and maybe like a pick and roll lob. But... Right. Like, who has all three? So there's a rumor today that the Wolves are going to look to move on from D'Angelo Russell, that they're going to look to trade him. And I would throw that out there. I've got some people in the chat mentioning that. I don't know that the Lakers would want D'Angelo Russell back, but he's also an expiring contract. Like, if D'Lo went for another three years or something, I think the Wolves, maybe they'd be interested. But he's $31.3 million next season, and then it expires, and that's it. I don't see them as a team that you're that would want Russ with that being the case. And then they don't really have any bad salaries long-term. I mean, Malik Beasley, he's got a team option after next season though, too. So he's a, I mean, he's not a bad contract. He's 25 years old, making 15 million next season. And then he has a team option the year after that. They just don't have the salaries that you need to clear to make that work. So even with this Russell rumor that's out there, even if D'Angelo Russell is really mad at the Wolves for benching him in the fourth quarter of the, the final game of the season and, and all of that, it's it's tough to find a fit. It really is. I really quickly want to address something. I think that it gets kind of lost in the whole trade fantasy world land that it's not just all the time about the player you're trading for or trading. It's about the contracts, mm -hmm. too. Like, obviously... If you ask the Lakers, do you want D'Angelo Russell or Russell Westbrook? I guarantee you nine times out of ten, probably ten times out of ten, they've got to say D'Angelo Russell. He's just a better fit. That's one thing, too. His skill set's more fit for the modern NBA. Shooting, uh, playmaking, can create his own shot, all that jazz. And he can play off ball a little bit with LeBron. Don't believe me, he did it this year with Cat and, and Anthony Edwards. But, like you mentioned, it's the contract to Minnesota. Like you said, if he had a three-year deal and you're saying, hey, Minnesota, he has three years, making like 30 mil for each year. We have Russ, who's making, yeah, he's making 47, but it's only for one year. You clear out a bunch of cap space. Anthony Edwards, who they're going to have to pay, very similar situation to LaMelo Ball. You could sell them on that. But since D'Angelo Russell's on an expiring contract, the uh, Timberwolves could just say, to heck with that. We're just going to let him walk after next year if we really wanted to. We don't have to do that Russell Westbrook deal because he's on an expiring contract. So I think sometimes we get lost in the players that you're trading or trading for in, or trading and not really focusing on the contracts as well, which is just as important as the players are getting. Yeah, that's that's the challenge is the the contracts, right? That's And that's what sometimes gets overlooked. It's And they can be a bigger factor even than the players themselves.
Uh, Isle Farkash said, we need to bring the power back to the front office. Instead of trading assets to keep LeBron, we need to tell him the only way we do anything is if he signs. If he decides to leave, then so be it. This is a team sport. So you want the Lakers to play hardball with LeBron. I think LeBron's going to try to play hardball with the Lakers. He's going to hold the contract extension over their head and try to get them to do what he wants them to do uh, in August. Uh, he could ultimately decide that no matter what, he doesn't want to sign the extension and, and he wants to be a free agent in 2023. And then maybe he decides to come back to the Lakers. Maybe he doesn't. That's what he did to the Cleveland Cavaliers for years and years. Um, so maybe he goes that route. But you're saying, hey, tell LeBron, look, until you sign that extension, we're not going to do anything. And if you're not signing the extension, then we're going to start our rebuild. That's the nuclear option. Like then if you go down that path, you've got to be ready to trade LeBron. Right, like that's that's pretty yeah. much what you have to be ready to do if you're going to do that. I don't think the Lakers are going to quite take that tone. I think they're going to try to keep a collaborative environment and work with him to figure out what's going to work best for all parties involved. If I'm Rob Palenka, that's the approach I'm taking to it, because well, from the fan perspective, it might feel good to be like, hey, LeBron, you're big, but you're not bigger than the team. Therefore, it's you need you need to commit here. It, it feels good looking at it from the team perspective, but. I just don't see the Lakers actually going down that path because of the ramifications. Like if LeBron says, fine, then I'm out. Okay, then you're trading LeBron and moving forward from there. I don't think that's what the Lakers are prepared to do just yet. I think best case scenario for the Lakers as regards to LeBron's situation is he tells you something. He says, I'm in or I'm out. If LeBron is just going to wait out until the free until free agency is over, you make your head coaching hire, and then he tells you, well, <laughs> then you're screwed. Like, if it's not if it's not up to his standards or if he doesn't like it, right, you're screwed because you just made all these decisions. It is not a, a rewind button going Madden 09 on you guys where you could just undo that play where you throw an interception. Like, no, you already made the acquisitions that you made. You can't just go back and undo those. Um, but I'm a little curious, and I'm a little, I'm slightly worried. It's in the back of my mind that we might get a stalemate, where the Lakers, after last season, the Lakers front office are like, nope, clutch, nope, nope, nope. I, I don't care what what you guys want. We're not doing Russell Westbrook 2.0. No. And then Clutch and LeBron are like, okay, we're out after next year. Or like they're just like sitting at each other, just bumping heads. And it's a stalemate. I'm kind of worried about that to a certain extent. Not too much, but it's definitely sitting in the back of my mind. No decision is a decision, right? If you come, if you hit the offseason where you are at the point where you have to make deals and you don't know yet whether or not you're building around LeBron for the future or not, you're done, right? Because that's that's essentially making the, deci the decision to punt on the season, get rid of LeBron and move forward from there you have to have a plan in mind. So they've got to fi figure out this stuff with LeBron sooner rather than later. And the Lakers ultimately have to decide, look, if LeBron isn't willing to commit past 2023, if he doesn't want a contract extension, then it's on the Lakers to decide what do we do from there? Do we want to do everything we can to appease LeBron and hope he signs in 2023? Do we want to sacrifice future flexibility? Do we want to give up future picks? Then the decision's on them. And they can say, no, we don't want to do that. And part ways that's that's also possible but i kind of think that's the situation we're going to be in where lebron isn't going to tell them he's going to wait and see what they do in, in july and even then he even if they do things that he likes he might still opt to just say oh, i'm going to hit free agency in 2023 and then we'll go from there he knows a max con no matter what happens next season a max contract will be there waiting for him um 
the question is whether or not he'll want to stay with the Lakers. Uh, Snorlax said with a super chat said, Hey, again, guys, Hey, if the Pacers trade does happen, do Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald play the one and the two with LeBron at the three, or does LeBron play the one? I hope you guys have a good day. I don't, I think LeBron is probably your primary ball handler, but I think you're kind of, we're arguing semantics there. Whether, whether you're calling Malcolm Brogdon, your one or LeBron, your one, I think LeBron is going to handle the ball a lot. I think Malcolm Brogdon will have the ball, but he will probably be the secondary creator. So if you want to call Malcolm Brogdon your two and Buddy Hield is your three and LeBron is your one or whatever, however you want to line it up, LeBron, regardless of what position you, you start him at, offensively, the ball will be in his hands a lot. The ball would be in Malcolm Brogdon's hands, less than LeBron's, but more than probably anybody else. That's in terms of initiating the offense. I would consider, especially because in my opinion, if you do that Pacers deal, I'm you're you can soften the blow of Malik Monk probably walking. Sure, I consider bringing Buddy Hield off the bench, honestly, and go with the as long as like Austin Reeves or some of the other guys that we've mentioned uh, continue working on their outside shots, or who knows whatever the Lakers may do in free agency with their taxpayer uh, exception or their uh, veteran minimums contracts, whatever they do. I still consider bringing Buddy Hood off the bench and then slotting that two spot or, well, technically three, because we want to say LeBron's a primary ball handler in the offense. Uh, you slide somebody else in, and now you go LeBron, Brogdon, a 3 and D guy, and then you figure out AD and somebody else. That's what I would do personally. Sean Percival with the Super Chat says, just got here. So I don't know if you talked about it, but any chance we get Zach Levine somehow? Maybe sign and trade and trade Russ, either to them or to another team. So the problem with Zach Levine is he's going to be a free agent. And look, I like, I like Zach Levine a lot. Sign and trade though. We've talked about this triggers a hard cap, which makes it a lot more complicated trying to build out a roster. How are you getting him? Are you going to give up Anthony Davis to get Zach Levine? I'm, I would say no to that. I know some Lakers fans would say yes, personally, I wouldn't do that. So how else do you get him? They're not going to do it for Russ. Maybe if Zach Levine tells the Bulls, hey, I'm leaving, see you later. But he's got to have a team to go sign with in order to do that. Who has cap space? For Zach Levine to threaten he's going to leave, okay, you're going to go sign with the Pistons? You're going to sign with the Orlando Magic? Is that, that what's really going to happen? Probably not. Probably not. I don't. If Zach Levine does leave... If he orchestrates a sign and trade, I don't see the Lakers being that team. And I'd like to say they could be, but I just don't see it because of the hard cap implications and how much salary the Lakers already have on the books. If the Lakers had a bunch of room and a few young players and you could package those things together and you had plenty of space to absorb salary and still trigger the hard cap, okay, sure. But as is, I just think it's tough to execute a sign and trade like that for Zach Levine, not even mentioning what the Bulls would actually want in a deal like that. So I would say it's very, very, very slim possibility that the Lakers get Zach Levine. Slim to none, pun intended. Slim to to Kendrick none. Uh, MJ Stubbs, who do you guys feel would be best at coach? Well, we actually did an article for that on that today for LakersNation.com. Sean, I'm sure you voted for, for Darvin Ham in that. Uh, I cast my vote for Quinn Snyder, but, I've been saying all along, I'm I'm okay with a lot of different options, and I'm going to try to keep an open mind regardless of who they pick. 
Please don't be Terry Stotts. 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 <laughs> oh, I think that's fair to say. That's fair. I don't think it's going to be Terry Stotts, though. Uh, Mr. B. Lloyd says, is Cam Reddish a possibility without a hard cap of a sign-and-trade, meaning have him sign the extension after the trade? Yeah, he still has one more year under contract. So, yes, uh, he wouldn't have to be a sign-and-trade. You could trade for him, then work something out there, whether or not you want to pick up that uh, pick up an extension or work out an extension with him because he is still under contract for another year. So yeah, you could do something like that. Uh, and the Lakers, again, they almost had Cam Reddish at the trade deadline would have been THT going out. Cam Reddish, Alec Burks coming back to the Lakers. But again, that was foiled by draft. Was picks. it just THT or was it THT and none? It probably just to make the math work. I think it needed to be THT and none, but it would have been a three team trade. So I don't know exactly how all the pieces would have fit there, but all we've heard, we've heard THT and possibly Kendrick Nunn being involved. I think it was probably THT and Nunn, and it would have been Cam Reddish, Alec Burks coming back to the Lakers. But again, the Raptors and the Knicks, they argued over draft picks, and it fell apart because of that. Um, Pain. Matty James wouldn't be opposed to trading LeBron if we were able to bring in some solid pieces to put with AD or even another star that's not injury-prone. In terms of basketball on the court, Sure, that that makes sense. In terms of financially off the floor, I don't know if it does. LeBron brings in a lot of revenue, and the Lakers have gone out of their way to build a reputation as a team, an organization that is friendly to star talent. They take care of their stars. So trading LeBron, if now if LeBron comes to the Lakers and says, hey, please trade me, okay, that's a, that's a different story, totally different story. But if you just say, Ah, you know what? Let's put LeBron on the market and see what we can get. Oh, we can get this stuff? Cool. That's going to work better with AD anyway. See you later, LeBron. If you do that, you destroy some of that image that you've painstakingly built over the years. So I don't see the Lakers going that route, even if on paper you could make an argument for doing that. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that the Lakers have quote-unquote built a reputation for themselves to really take care of the stars. When you look at Kobe, you know, and, and the latter years of his career, maybe getting paid more than he should have, but because he's a Laker legend and because of the Lakers devote themselves to, you know, taking care of the stars, they paid him anyway. Um, I don't see the Lakers just saying, oh, hey, like openly shopping the market without LeBron saying, trade me. I don't see that happening, so I'm in full agreement with you. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right. I agree that you agree with me. Uh, Matty James said, I wouldn't mind getting Brunson or Forbes as a perimeter shooter, also decent defenders. Forbes, I think, could be a possibility. Brunson, he's getting paid. I know he wasn't great no. tonight. <sighs> I would have made some money if he was a little better tonight. But um, Brunson... You didn't bet with Mark Gunnels. That was the problem. Uh, that must be what it is. I, I bet you? with Matt the Optimist. That was, that was the problem. Matt made some money. I didn't. That's the problem. Yeah. You got, you got him flipped. That's right. But but quick question. Um, do you think, I know this is more of a front office question, or what would you call it, the front runners? Is that mm -hmm. what it's called? Yep. Front, there we go. Um, I, I pay attention, sort of. Um, <laughs> would you would you agree with Jalen Brunson getting more of like a Fred Van Bleet-ish contract, like four for 85, somewhere around that wheelhouse? That's probably about what his market's going to be, and he's been really good. I don't know how comfortable I would be being the team that pays that, but knowing the salary cap's going up, I could see where you could say, all right, you know, the cap keeps going up. 
this is going to be just fine. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably about what he does, what he does get. And uh, I think the Mavs are probably going to be the team to pay him. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right, Maddie James said... Oh, no, wait. That was the last one we already did. We got more Maddie James. Hello from Sydney. Guys, that's right. Welcome in from Sydney. Appreciate the timestamps. You guys go live so people overseas are able to tune in. Much appreciated. Or the times that we go live. We try, I mean, even when we talk about overseas, like trying to time it right for England versus the Philippines and Australia. It's yeah. right. It, it's tough. It's, it's tough. But we do try to mix it up a little bit. We go live at certain times, go live what's here in the afternoon on Fridays to kind of kick up the weekend. We try, but we do appreciate all of the international fans coming in again one of the things and i did not expect this one of the things when we started this show years ago that has blown me away has been the growth that even i've seen just doing the show the growth of the international fan base of, of basketball and the lakers it's been absolutely amazing and something that is so so cool to see I've, i mean i've made friends with people that are that are overseas through this absolutely incredible incredible the way the nba is growing and becoming more of a worldwide game uh, Trip Tom said, isn't a chance for a ring worth it for a few years of being at the bottom? Look at the Heat and the Cavs. They're back at top now, even though LeBron, quote, gutted them. So Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for sure. If you can get a chance to win a championship, you take it. We kind of get spoiled, right? Like Lakers fans, Lakers nation, we get spoiled thinking Fair. like, oh, championships, no problem. That's every year you should be contending for a championship. Most teams would kill to have a shot to win a championship. That's why I've always said the Anthony Davis trade, the second the Lakers won that title, that's it. They won the trade. Stamped. It's, yep. it's done. They won the trade. Now, the Pelicans, they're going to get some good stuff. And that's fine. The Lakers won a championship. That's it. Deal's done. The Lakers won that trade. That was a trade you do. If you told teams you have to give up all your young talent, you have to give up future picks, and you are 100% guaranteed to win a championship this year. Teams would be crawling over each other, fighting tooth and nail to sign the dotted line and do that deal. Championships are not easy to come by. So, yes, it's, it's worth it. The question you have is, are there moves you can make if you go all in, you push all in to win a championship this year? Do you have enough to fix what happened last season and really build a championship team? Because teams are going to try to fleece the Lakers this summer. That's that's reality. Teams will try to fleece the Lakers this summer. They're going to say, you're desperate. They're going to say, Russell Westbrook is this dark storm cloud hanging over you, and you need us to take him off your hands. Give us all your picks. That is going to be the discussion Rob Palenka is going to have. And the question for the, for the Lakers is going to be, how good of a negotiator is Rob Palenka? And how much are you going to be able to actually get from other teams in the deals the Lakers try to make? It's not going to be easy not going to be easy i wish i could say oh they've got all these assets they can go after whatever they want they can get anybody they want it's going to be a difficult time and rob palenka whew, if he gets through this summer he'll have really proven himself that's for sure 
Back to life. Back to... You're not going to finish it, Trevor? Gosh darn it. No. Always... Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, but going back to what you were saying about the Suns or whatever, or not the Suns, but, you know, the championship argument. If you told the Suns right now, you guys can win a championship this year, but for the next five years, you guys are going to win 15 games. They're taking that championship. And every oh, other team sure. would take that. So, for sure. yeah, like you said, the Lakers won that deal. They won a title. I don't care that you traded Brandon Ingram. Great player. He had a heck of a postseason run. He's been a great player for them. Lonzo would love to have him on this team. Who's to give Josh Hart those picks? Would love to have him, but you won a title, so you won the deal automatically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Kevin Lee said Cavs made the play in, and people say they're on top. And he's got the crying emojis in there. Look. The Cavs, for much of the season, were much better. They got some injuries down the stretch. I think things are definitely looking up for the Cavs. But also, what did the Cavs have? Lots and lots and lots of picks. How many years did the Cavs win, win the number one overall pick? And yeah. then they got, they walked away with the guy who would have had my vote for Rookie of the Year, but it was certainly close. Evan Mobley. Maybe winds up being the best player from this draft class. You walked away with that. That's part, a big part of what turned this all around. And the year before that, they, they got Darius Garland, right? A guy who the Lakers had their eyes on. They found young guys in the draft. The Lakers don't have that many draft picks moving forward. They have some, mm-hmm. they have some, but they've also given a lot away. So that's the, that's the challenge for the Lakers. If you say LeBron gutted your team, okay, but you've got to have future picks in order to make it ultimately work in terms of a rebuild. And that's something that the Lakers only have so many of. So that's the, that's the challenge. Again, not saying it's not worth it. You win a championship, okay, it's worth it. But it's something you got to consider. These teams that have bounced back, they, the Cavs have done it with picks. Now the Miami Heat have done it without picks. The Miami Heat have done it by finding guys, diamonds in the rough, and that's something the Lakers would have to do. question is, can you replicate it to the degree the Miami Heat have? The Lakers already have to some degree, right? Austin Reeves. Jordan Clarkson, Larry oh, yeah. Nance Jr., Kyle Kuzma, all these guys they found late. goes on and on. So the Lakers can do that. But can you fully rebuild your franchise that way? We'll see. Uh, Maddie James, this will be last one. Trev and Sean, any chance we could get Grant Williams or Robert Williams III from the Celtics? They would be such good fit. They would oh, be. Oh, man, don't, don't. The Celtics are trading don't. them. Don't. Yeah, definitely not to the Lakers. For sure. Yeah, they are not going to trade them. That's It's not going to happen. Robert Williams, they signed him last offseason. He was a big part of their, their defensive schemes. He's a great fit with them. Grant Williams, same thing. He's a fan favorite there. I, they, they both be great fits, but the Lakers, the, the Celtics aren't, aren't moving them. So that's not going to happen. All right, everybody. I appreciate you joining us. Again, we'll be back on Wednesday. But remember, Wednesday, we're going to go after the conclusion of Suns and Mavs and I hope you guys come join us over on playback on the NBA front office channel Keith and I'll be there breaking down that game live so come join us on that I'll drop the link in a few of our videos this week you can also find it over on the NBA front office shows channel Uh, it's in there Keith and I will both be promoting it on our social medias as well so you can certainly find it all over the place but hopefully you come join us live for Mavs versus Suns and then stick around I'll do the live uh, Lakers Nation show after that concludes. But again, appreciate you for joining us. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com